You're listening to Identity Revolution, a podcast from the consumer identity management experts at Infutor Data Solutions. In each episode, we invite industry leaders for data-driven discussions on all things marketing, analytics, and identity. Join us as we take a deep dive into industry trends, strategies, and the future of data technology. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Identity Revolution. I'm your host, Fred Pfeiffer. Today, we're happy to welcome Kendall Peters to the show. Kendall is the manager of sales analytics and engagement with the Minnesota Vikings. Kendall, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Happy to uh, have the conversation with you, Fred. To get started, can you give the audience a little bit of background on yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, I played college basketball actually growing up, so I think a lot of people probably find it interesting that wound up in football. But yeah, I played college basketball and, you know, obviously got a lot of interest in team sports that way and understanding what's happening behind the scenes. And did a lot of work, graduate school, undergraduate, volunteering and things like that, really to find my niche and what it means to find a place in the data and analytics community in sports. So bounced around a little bit, but I was at Wake Forest for a while, did some work, interned at the Orlando Magic there in their strategy department, and then wound up with the Vikings. And that was around 2015, when, if you're not familiar, we were actively trying to sell out U.S. Bank Stadium. So that was a really interesting time to join the Vikings and understand what was going on, what was impacting the business then. And it's changed a lot since then as well, but a lot of different experience from CRM to customer engagement to sales to all that we've kind of seen here. How did your experience in playing basketball in college help you in your transition to the business side of professional sports? And what did you learn in collegiate athletics that helps you today? Yeah, I mean, I think you probably get this answer a lot, but honestly, the teamwork is is incredibly important. I'm kind of one of those individuals where I feel like I can do a lot of things myself, right? relatively introverted. And I'm like, I, I know I can get it done, right? Like if you do the uh, Myers-Briggs test, usually I come out as like the mastermind for those familiar. But I know that's not the case. And I think having that exposure to a lot of different teams that I've played with and knowing like you're not as much as everyone wants to be LeBron James, like even he can't do it by himself. So to be relying on others and know how to work together is such a critical skill that's needed. And I see it in application more and more in the work we're doing, especially since March when we had to transition to, if you're able to, working from home, that required so much more um, leverage and leaning on other individuals to make sure your setup was right and to make sure things were done since the meetings were not happening in person. So really, if you're someone who's like, I need to do it myself and if someone's quality of work is not up to your standard, it's going to be tough And it's really going to be tough to shift an organization if it's one person trying to move 100, 200, 300, 400, 1,000 different people. Yeah. I like to talk a little bit about the Vikings as a team. Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Mm -hmm. especially Justin Jefferson, who's just a fantastic rookie as a wide receiver, Mm -hmm. set some records for the club. I know playoffs won't be in the picture this season. Can you share with us a little bit about what's going on in the world of the Minnesota Vikings? And more importantly, like what's your role from as the season winds down to next year? What are you concentrating on at this time of the year? 
Yeah, absolutely. So my work is more focused on the consumer analytics. So I can't speak too much to what the players have going on there. But I can say from my personal opinion that I'm super excited about the talent we have. And it's definitely impacted a lot of different teams in many different ways. But with opt-outs due to COVID and different injuries, I'm feeling optimistic about next year on both sides of the ball for what our team is going to look like. So hopefully we are talking about a return to the playoffs Obviously, yeah, off the field, we're doing a couple different things. So we're talking about season ticket renewals. And obviously that is such a huge initiative, especially since in our state, we were not having fans in our stadium. We never got to that point with the amount of COVID cases that we saw. Have our fingers crossed for what that will look like for next season. But there's a lot of planning involved in that, whether we're at 0%, 25%, 50%. All the way up to, again, fingers crossed that we do get there 100%. We need to make sure we're ready for all those different scenarios. And then what we're really thinking about in terms of being fan-facing on the consumer side is the content we have. I invite everyone listening to go to vikings.com, to go to the Vikings app and check out, hopefully while we're still in season, check out some of the amazing content we have and some of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that we have on our players. Most of that is done in-house, I think almost all of it. And, you know, it performs really, really well. One of the best in the league. I'm not, again, not trying to toot our own horn, but we know we have a specific advantage with that. And we want to be able to leverage it as best as possible. So making sure we're reaching our fans who are in-state versus out-of-state, potentially even fans who are outside of this country. We know we have fans in Europe, Mexico, things like that, too. And pairing that with some of the personas that we have. So to quickly go over that, we did quantitative and qualitative analysis to develop about six different personas that we look at our fans in terms of how they engage with us, whether it's football centric, whether it's family centric, you know, whether the Vikings are just really in your DNA. And that applies to all of our different sales and marketing initiatives on how do we want to talk to you? How do we want to engage you? So we think there's a really, really cool mix of what we can do with our personas and what we can do with our content, right? And talking about like, marrying it with some kind of Netflix type model too, to make sure we're getting people what they want when they want it. You know, that's what's really around the corner for us. Obviously we've done a lot of that before, but we know there's so much more to leverage that I think the pandemic has certainly enlightened us to how much more we can do there. Can we talk about how COVID has affected your business? Obviously you've lost a massive revenue stream with, you know, season ticket holders and ticket holders in general coming into the stadium. How have you attempted and the Vikings attempted to create additional revenue streams to deal and counteract that loss of ticket revenue? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the ticket revenue was not fully realized probably until I think about the November timeframe. So until then, there were we were hopeful that we could have some amount of fans in the stadium at some point. Unfortunately, it never happened. But yeah, like you mentioned, we missed out on that and we have our fingers crossed for next year. If you're watching us on TV or watching almost any other professional sports team on TV, I think what you'll be able to pick out is that there are branded seat covers that you see. So, you know, when Kirk throws that ball deep to Justin Jefferson in the background, you're going to see some of those covers. Right. And they'll have our different sponsors on it. So we were able to make up and recoup some money that way. But honestly, it's not apples to apples when we're looking at it from a high level there. 
sponsorship is probably the next largest stream of income outside of tickets that got impacted. And majority of our sponsorship revenue, we were able to maintain this season due to a lot of the communication and conversation that we had with the different brands who we work with. And that was an organizational effort, obviously, but our sponsorship sales and service team did a great job of starting those conversations and then working with us to uh, use a little bit of data to back up themselves when they had those conversations, right? So we talked about digital a little bit with your previous question. We know there are so many other places to leverage digital this year, whether it is those branded seat covers, whether it is the unique content that we put out. We created new programs this year before and after games. Obviously, it was sprinkled in some of our sponsors in those programs to make sure that they got some love that way. And obviously, it had our personas in mind to make sure that the content um, and the programming during those shows kind of fit what they were looking for. So those were some of the opportunities that we found this year that we're looking forward to running back again next year, even though it'll probably look a little bit different since we hope that there will be fans in the building. I've always been curious how much of your marketing efforts are league directed and how much freedom does the NFL give you as a franchise to create new revenue streams and really be creative on, on your side? Is there, is, what, could you talk a little bit about, you know, that balance between league direction and also what the franchise is allowed to do? Yeah, I think the league's perspective is that they're looking at 32 teams and really it mostly becomes from a competitive advantage standpoint. If it if there's ever anything going on that might cross that line, that's where the league is going to come in and say, hey, like maybe we have to look at it a little bit differently or put the foot down in terms of that. But for the most part, all of the 32 clubs, we can do our unique initiatives as we see it as long as it's impacting us in a positive way. Obviously, we compete on the field, but off the field, right, if one team is is doing better than another, we want to share those best practices and make sure that the revenue share going on there too. We're not really mm-hmm. competing off the field. So I would say the league is pretty hands-off on that, and they just want to make sure from a best practices standpoint, everybody has that knowledge base to know what works for them. We're all across the country too, so – not the same approach is not going to work for the Seattle Seahawks as the Minnesota Vikings, right? Different location, different fan base, things like that. I know you and I are both passionate about the NBA. We've had many discussions about that league. I've always been curious to understand or to hear from somebody who works for an NFL team. How many discussions do you have with other franchises in Minnesota? Obviously the T-Wolves and the Twins being the primary ones. Is there any interaction? Do you guys interact with each other, learn from each other, or is it pretty much – viewed as a competitive type of... uh... Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, the collaboration is amazing, I would say, at least from my standpoint. So uh, on our data and strategy teams, yeah, we're connected with other data and strategy teams for all the other major sports and even university, uh, the University of Minnesota locally. So we've had a lot of conversation about best practices, what's working well for us, what isn't working well for us in order for us to all thrive together don't really see it as competition at all. And even for like with COVID and the pandemic, there was a user group that was created for all of us that had, you know, a lot of senior level leadership involved and talking about how do we want to bring fans back, right? So at the time, this is April, May, June, the NBA was not happening. Baseball 
was still working to get their season back. NHL was finished too. So we wanted to have a good strategy for like the first team that gets back to market. Like that can't be a one-off. Like you're yeah. affecting our entire fan base, right? So at the time, let's assume it was the Vikings. If we were to have fans, we want to make sure that the strategy that we implement works well for our fan base, but also is something that the other teams in our um, area agree mm-hmm. with and can implement the same thing. So our fans are not like, well, I'm doing this with the twins, but I'm doing this with the Vikings. It doesn't make sense. So there was a ton of collaboration over the spring and summer to make sure that we were all aligned on that. I saw it. I mean, I can see if I can find it again, but there was a very long document about our procedure for, you know, what we were going to do there. So yeah, the yeah. collaboration was awesome and COVID has forced it to become even better. I'm curious. I've noticed this with the NBA, like you'll never find a bigger Bulls fan than me, mm-hmm. but my own son, his favorite players, you know, Damian Lillard. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, has fantasy football kind of made that effect in the NFL? I mean, I know I have people in the area that I hang out that are just worship cook because he's basically won their league for them. <laughs> How do you market to those people? How do you, is it, would you estimate that like the Minnesota Vikings, do you view it as a national brand or is it primarily more of a you know local kind of a demographic that you're still concentrating on? Yeah, we view ourselves nationally and internationally, I would say. And obviously, we have a rich history of mm-hmm. players and tradition. We haven't quite got that Super Bowl ring yet, but again, fingers crossed for next year. But mm-hmm. I think due to all of that, I think we have a really strong presence around the country. And even something as like qualitative as when we had away games in the past, take formerly the San Diego Chargers. I believe we played them last year. When you look on TV, you saw a lot of purple, right? In a lot of the stadiums that we traveled to, we saw a lot of that. So that kind of just gives you a data point. We need to prove it to what shows like, hey, our presence is bigger than some of these other teams. And how do we leverage that? Linking it back to fantasy football, yeah, that, that's a great question. It's tough for us. We have some of that information present, but I'll give you an example. Our average season ticket member is probably around the age of mid-50s, majority mm. white, majority male, and obviously attending games. So you, there's a little bit of that proximity discussion to U.S. Bank Stadium. That's not what our entire fan base looks like. And you have so many different needs and reasons for wanting to join the Vikings. And that's what we're really uncovering with their personas. But again, fantasy and and liking the Vikings because Justin Jefferson, you know, was a top receiver. Dalvin Cook scored you X amount of points. We kind of know that skews towards Gen Z and less towards, Mm -hmm. you know, our fans who are attending games and our fans who are purchasing tickets. So, you know, we have our work cut out for us there to make sure that we're identifying more of those fans and truly understanding why they're coming to the Vikings and totally understand like, hey, it's not because I like the color purple and gold. It's not because my mother or my father liked them. It can solely be, hey, I play with them on Madden and I won a championship. And, you know, <laughs> and, and we're OK with that. Right. And if yeah. we know that we're going to talk to you a little bit differently, you know, we're not going to. You know, maybe we're not sending you game theory. Like maybe we're sending you Madden championship information, how to sign up for that, how to get exclusive codes, things like that. Really cool. What are you most excited about with your work right now with the Vikings in terms of data analytics and and in the space in general? Or it could be something else. Yeah, I mean, I think 
there's probably two things there. One, organizationally, really just excited about change management and like behavioral change. I think there's different phases of an organization. So like I was saying earlier, in 2016 to like 2018, we were really all in on opening our stadium, having that world-class fan experience, which is definitely validated. Fred, I hope you, you have an opportunity to come to a game <laughs> if you yes. haven't yet, because I, I, I think you would agree with that. And then obviously, you know, we had Super Bowl in 2017. I guess that technically happened in 2018, but it was for the 2017 season. We had the final four. And so there were all these events that were like, that come with a new stadium. And now we have the opportunity to sit back and say, hey, stadium is still relatively new. That's amazing. But what do we want to be as an organization? And what are we moving towards now? Because before it was all hands on deck for a new stadium. Now there's a little bit more opportunity to have different organizational priorities. So with that, we're really excited about some of the change that we can influence with data um, and information and the wealth of data that we've collected can start to infiltrate a lot of other individuals internally and have us make the best decisions um, possible moving forward. Tough to do in the past because a lot of this information wasn't present or wasn't easy to collect or wasn't easy to translate to other individuals. So we're really at a unique time in terms of the maturity of our entire staff and where we're looking and where we're trying to go. So super excited about that becoming more enterprise and becoming really the DNA of, you know, mm -hmm. our 200 or so employees being information-based first, being data first and what's going on. Obviously that prevents or that causes some challenges, but definitely challenges and obstacles that we're looking forward to tackling with all the other members of our organization. And then I would probably say externally, I kind of touched on it earlier, but that mix of the personas and the content, we we're tripling down now and saying like, this has to get done, right? Like we knew this in the past, we were driving towards this in the past, but the pandemic has shown us like, hey, there will be scenarios where you cannot physically reach fans for X amount of time or at all, depending on maybe their location. Let's make sure we still get a world-class experience and engagement from them. So super excited about some of that work that's being done on that end too. Great stuff. Great stuff. What has surprised you the most about joining an institution, an NFL institution like the Minnesota Vikings? I think, you know, outside looking in, you see organizations like the Vikings, other professional teams. And, you know, maybe just because I will admit I'm an avid basketball fan, I'm an avid football fan. So because of that, the, the brands have so much strong sentiment in terms of, you know, how I look at them and how I feel about them. And any consumer probably has an idea of kind of the revenue that's going in and out of that organization. So typically my view would have been like, you know, this is a huge organization with such, you know, a vast amount of impact. And, you know, when I work here and as I grow and learn here, you know, we're talking about approximately, you know, 200-ish employees on the business side. So excluding like players, coaches and things like that. By that definition, you know, we are a small business, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you have that, it's always butting heads about the impact. The brand is so big, the impact can be so big. I was talking national earlier. We have an impact internationally. We, we know that for sure. But do we have the right amount of resources to do that properly? 
So I think that's been one of the most surprising things about like, hey, when you look under the hood, it's a small business with a large brand. How do we want to tackle some of those challenges? Yeah, let's shift gears a bit to a few industry topics. What are the most disruptive shifts you are seeing in the data analytics space right now? I think on the consumer side, one of the largest disruptive shifts. So I'm going to bring back that Netflix example again. I'm forgetting what that documentary is called now. There's a recent documentary on Netflix about, you know, data, collecting it, how it might impact a consumer. But I think what I'm trying to say is consumers are more savvy than ever, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not simply going to just give out their information for nothing or for no perceived value. So I truly believe they will give out information if they know, hey, this is going to benefit me in one way or another in the near or even far term future, as long as I know. But, you know, at the end of the day, consumers are getting more savvy. And I think it's a good thing because it forces organizations to be more transparent. We don't want to be in the business of collecting data to leverage it for anything negative, anything malicious, anything like that. We want to be transparent about this is going to help us increase your relationship and increase your engagement with us, which is something we mutually want. So it's a positive thing, but it's certainly a challenge for an organization to move to consistently uh, move that way and make sure we're transparent with uh, what we're collecting and what we're doing, making sure it always has um, the fan first in terms of the output. And then I would say I kind of touched on it again. I think it's a little bit more sports specific, but because we have a smaller amount of employees to the impact that we can have on a community and an area, how do we tackle that? I think something disruptive and hopefully positive will be things like AI and how we can implement that internally to alleviate some of those issues where, you know, we may be under-resourced or something like that. Yeah. So we're getting close to our time here and I can't thank you enough for your time. Let's close up with a few questions to give our audience some tips. Let's start with your favorite resources. What are your favorite online resources that you rely upon to keep up to speed with what's happening with the Vikings in your space and the marketing space, digital analytics, whatever it may be? What do you What's your go-to online resources? Yeah, I have a couple of them, and they're all kind of sprinkled out there. Obviously, LinkedIn, the people I follow, the forums I follow on there, I check in probably daily just to see what's going on. So if anyone's not on there, I definitely highly recommend that. I have some Google alerts based on topics I'm interested in, right, like AI, data and analytics, digital marketing. So that'll hit my inbox once a week and just read up on um, some of the articles that are most pressing really just to make sure my mind is in the right place. And then various newsletters, probably in my inbox, it's a little bit more sports specific. So companies like Sport Techie, Sports Business Journal, Front Office Sports, all of them tackle the business side of sports and digital and all the different things that can impact you there. So that helps keep me aligned on what's going on around me and what potentially can impact in the future. And even things outside of sports, like there's a newsletter called Lenny's newsletter that I follow, which is digital marketing centric, which is pretty cool to see what's going on there. And even thought leaders like Avinash Kaushik, follow him. He puts out a newsletter. I think he does a weekly one. I'm on the free model, which is monthly, I believe. But, you know, follow that too. And that gives me a lot of great content and honestly provokes a lot of interesting thought for how I want to run my team here digitally and how we want to move the Vikings in general. 
Lastly, where can our audience go to learn more about you, Kendall? Yeah, so LinkedIn for sure. Kendall Peters on LinkedIn. I don't have my URL off the top of my head, but if you find me there, happy to uh, continue any conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right. Do you have a Twitter Twitter account? No, no, no Twitter, no Instagram. It's, yeah, sorry. I, I got one more question for you that I'm curious about, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, you know, the NBA, you have some international brands and I'm talking about players, right? You know, LeBron James mm-hmm. is an international figure who's really built a brand and synonymous with excellence and winning championships and all that comes with that. I'm curious if players on the Vikings you know, which is definitely, you know, the NFL and football is more of a team sport. Obviously, there's more players on the field, and it's probably a little bit, unless you're, you know, the quarterback position, I guess, allows for a little bit more individualism. But have any players come to your marketing, worked with your marketing team, with a data analytics team, and asked, hey, can you help me build my brand? Can you help me? What should I do to do as much as possible on and off the field to maximize my revenue, personal revenue for myself and my family. Is that, has that ever come up with a player? So that hasn't come up directly. I think that's a little bit talking about the structure of our organization and things like that. I would love to have that conversation and I have some ideas there, but you're right. Player, players are definitely thinking about that. And there can certainly be alignment with obviously whatever team you're on and us, like our team understands the fan base the most and how the fan base is going to connect to this player. And then obviously with the digital impact that player can have with our fans and potentially even, you know, marrying that with our sponsors. So there's a ton of opportunity there that not something that we've tackled yet, potentially in the future, but I would love to go through that. But yeah, we're not quite there yet. Are there restrictions? I mean, obviously there must be, right? Like obviously there's discussions with each player. Hey, you're online presence what via Instagram, Twitter is going to be monitored. And we're not going to obviously take disparaging comments on the organization or other players in general lightly, right? Is that conversation something that happens? I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a PR team and a communications team that work closely with the players on stuff like that. I think it is on a case-to-case basis. Obviously, they don't want to be running the players' lives and I don't think vice versa either, but there's certainly that conversation to happen about best practices and making sure that our brand can do the most to uplift them and hopefully vice versa. And I think for a lot of these players, right, like they likely have their own interest and their own people that are helping them out with that. And in most cases, it's probably outside of the organization. So there, there are scenarios where individuals in the organization, the specific people in their lives outside of the organization can work together on that. I would probably view that as a best case um, scenario, but that that's something where, you know, in the future, in the next few years, I'm happy you mentioned that question because I think you'll see a lot more of that, a lot more unison and unity between players, their brands, teams, their brands, and putting that all in a crucible together and, and <laughs> getting a really solid outcome. Yeah. Great. Great. Kendall, thank you so much for your time today. I can't thank you enough for joining Identity Revolution. We're really looking forward to to hopefully talking again and, and following your career. It's a great discussion today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for listening to Identity Revolution. For more data-driven discussion, subscribe to Identity Revolution on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for more on how Infutore can improve your data strategy across your entire enterprise, visit infutore.com.